This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome clinical psychologist and my good friend, Dr. Asherina Reem, back to the show. Dr. Reem is the founder and CEO of Psyched Mummy, the largest social media platform focusing on perinatal mental health, and my co-founder of Mom Freely. Through Mom Freely, Dr. Reem and I have hosted many workshops and launched our flagship course, All the Rage, which teaches moms how to manage their anger, identify the needs that contribute to mom rage, and repair after human moments. Over the years, we have also hosted many mom rage workshops and spoken about the topic many times. But since we began, Dr. Reem and I have also both evolved and gained more insight into a different side of maternal anger. In the past, we've primarily addressed postpartum rage as a mental health concern, a distress signal, or a sign of unmet needs. And while that aspect of mom rage is accurate and important to talk about, maternal anger isn't always related to mental health. Sometimes it stems from overwhelm, more specifically from a society that places unreasonable expectations on moms with little appreciation and little support. Dr. Reem previously appeared in episodes 2, 23, 58, 93, and 105, uncovering both mom rage and a range of other topics including resentment, boundaries, burnout, and isolation. Today, we're unpacking the difference between postpartum rage and parental anger triggered by overwhelm and societal pressure and the expectations of moms. We discuss how unfairness in the distribution of labor and gender norms around household work fuel maternal anger, treatment for postpartum rage versus a course of action for the social aspect of maternal anger, and why and how we should take ownership of our anger even if and when it is justified. But before diving in, I'd like to take a minute to share Dr. Reem's endorsement of my upcoming book, Releasing the Motherlode, coming out on April 9th. Erica Jossa does an incredible job unveiling hard truths about mental labor in releasing the motherlode. Her ability to share impactful research, meaningful stories, and practical tools will leave the reader feeling validated and equipped to take off the backpack that gets handed to us when we become mothers, as she puts it. This book is for the mother who is trying to conceive, the pregnant mom, the first-time mom, veteran mom, or anyone impacted by the mental tasks fighting for space where there is no more to spare. Thank you so much, Asherina, for that review and your support throughout the writing process and this whole publishing journey. I appreciate you so much. And for those of you who've been waiting, you can pre-order a copy of my book now by heading to ericajossa.com. That's E. R-I-C-A-D-J-O-S-S-A.com. Now let's hear my conversation with my good friend, clinical psychologist, Dr. Asherina Reem. We all envision ourselves as the perfect mom, nurturing, happy, and loving all the time. When reality hits and we find ourselves frustrated, resentful, and full of rage, that can lead us into a full-on shame spiral. The truth is, you don't have to be perfectly peaceful all the time to be a good mom, but we can help you understand and handle your rage and repair after the hard moments. Dr. Ashri Nareem, Psyched Mummy, and I have helped thousands of parents get to the root of their anger. As moms ourselves, we understand how the rage monster sneaks up in frustrating moments. As therapists, we also understand the tools and strategies you can use to prepare and prevent that from happening. That's why we set out to create All the Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection. A course to give you everything you need to know about how to keep calm as a parent in the most difficult situations. When we say everything, we mean everything, from understanding what makes you more prone to anger, how your thoughts influence your anger, ways to stop the outbursts before they happen, as well as what to do in the most triggering moments and how to prepare when you lose your cool. This course is made to be digestible and simple. We even include a downloadable workbook to help you work your way through it. We're confident that this course will change your life. So confident that we want you to buy it risk-free, meaning if you don't love it, you can get your money back. Nobody is perfect, but we want you to be the parent you want to be. Visit momwell.com slash rage to learn more. That's momwell.com slash rage. 
Welcome to the MomWell Podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWell, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for joining us back on the show. I was just looking. It's been two years since you've graced us with your presence. It's been too long, though I see you and our community sees us together more frequently than that. But thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. I know I realized it's been a while on the podcast, but since I see you so regularly, I'm like, what do you mean? It's been two years. I know. It doesn't feel like that. But since the podcast crew has heard you, you've baked an entire human who's turning <laughs> one years old. Like, what is going on? It's been both a lot going on in the business, but also in your family and lots on the go. So much. So, so much. A whole new experience to compare and to realize, like, Oh my gosh, kids are so different. Your experience can be so different. So much of it. Like when you do it again, it's and so much that you forget as a parent. <laughs> like for me, it had been five and a half years. So like so much that I'd forgotten. And I know that even for the parents that I chat with that say, like, my oldest is two and I'm already I'm having another baby and I've already forgotten. But yeah, oh wow, that happens for a purpose. Let me tell you what. That mm-hmm. happens on purpose for a purpose so that you can do it again if you want to. I know. I hear you. They are lucky. They're so cute. And I think it's by design that we forget the sleep deprivation and all the other pieces. And then somehow when they're sleeping and they're just so darn cute, it just seems like it fades away mm-hmm. until you're in the reality of it, I'm sure. And then it feels so real and like it will never end when you're in those moments. Mm-hmm. You guys are almost at a year. So you're you're like almost over the hump. I feel like the hump starts to like, as far as sleep and things, just past the year mark, at least for our experience, but hoping some sleep for you all for sure. I was looking back at our episodes together because we've done some about rage. We've done some about resentment, boundaries, loneliness. Like we've connected lots throughout the years and continue to connect outside of the podcast. The first episode I ever released was our Understanding Mommy Rage episode. So we had episode one, which was like, welcome to the show. This is a kickoff of the show. And then we went into Mom Rage, which continues to be a really popular subject that you and I talk about. We've got a whole course we've built out around it now, but also on the show continues to be one. And it's four years ago now. I feel like we've gained so much knowledge and experience and perspective on this topic that circling back around to talk about anger and rage, how we would define that, what it looks like, but also stepping out more broadly to look at anger in motherhood is just a really great talk for us to revisit. I mean, goodness, it's been four years. Mm -hmm. We've learned a lot and we've developed a lot on the subject. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, our perspectives have shifted. And as we have like collected all of this information, I think that it's broadened. It's broadened how we see things. And it's not just from that lens of like a provider who, like, or a diagnostician where we're like looking at things and we're thinking like, okay, what does meet this criteria for this experience? We're thinking of it with like a, a different worldview and lens, which I think is very helpful because we get a lot of feedback on social media about this, right? It's yeah. kind of like, well, just because I'm feeling angry, that doesn't mean that like I am depressed or I am these things that you're bringing to my attention motherhood is just hard. Parenthood is just hard. Right. And I think having this conversation is really important for that purpose. Yeah. I had Minna Dubin on recently and I was being really open and transparent with her about how I really wrestle with mom rage as it's discussed 
on social media because on one hand, I'm a clinician who is trained to work with the individual, right? So an individual comes into a session with me and I want to understand their biopsychosocial factors. So do they have a predisposition for anxiety or depression or mental health history? Do they have support? What's the division of labor like in their partnership and in their home? And then also, what is the context in which we are mothering, you know, in our society and the pressures and the societal norms that we face? And I struggle because I know from practice with clients, and we know from research also, Christine uh, Wu's research and, and others that we've read, that anger can be a distress signal that there is something going on with us, right? So Mm -hmm. it is one of the most overlooked symptoms of depression. It can be correlated with anxiety. It can be a red flag that there is something more going on. But then on the flip side of the same coin, I would also say that the way that motherhood is set up for us in this, like in our culture and in our society is so enraging in itself Mm -hmm. that there is an experience there that is, it makes sense and it's normal and we don't want to pathologize it. So maybe we can parse it out a little bit because postpartum rage, I think, is more the individual sort of presentation that we see, but then there's this broader experience. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think this conversation, like I said, is so important because when we are looking at this from like as a clinician and when we think, okay, there are going to be a subset of people, this profile of folks who, if they're experiencing anxiety or depression, we do need to be asking questions about anger because this is one of those symptoms that can get overlooked. And we often talk about when we're hosting workshops or in our course, how that nervous system, how anger and anxiety can look very, Mm -hmm. it's like a marriage between what's happening in our body and how those two experiences can activate that same system in our body. So there absolutely is this experience of postpartum rage connected to depression and anxiety. And I don't want to like dismiss that and say that's not a real thing or that's not an experience. But I, we say this to also identify that you can be angry and it's justified yeah. in motherhood, right? Like you said, there is something that happens when we enter parenthood. There's like this unveiling that happens of the unfairness not just in our partnerships like we talk about, but when we think of the way that society views us and care work, the way that how things shift and change in our careers, whether it's leave, how people just view motherhood in general, or how like the pressure from society or even our internal pressure, the things that we expect of ourselves, how they can really fuel this experience of anger because things don't feel fair. It feels like so much is expected of us, yet no one understands or respects the work that we do. Mm. And all of these experiences are going to fuel the feelings of anger and rage. But that doesn't mean that it comes with diagnosis where we say like, oh, because you're experiencing that, this is, you know, you're diagnosed with raging motherhood disorder. And it's just, it is a justified experience because we start to really see it for what it is. And we're thinking to ourselves like, hey, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. And people are just like, you're doing a great job. (laughs) You know, keep going. You make it look so easy. And so these are two experiences that might kind of get confused. Mm. But yeah, there's definitely differences here between what we're talking about. Yeah, it's like we have this group that is treated unfairly, not paid their worth or not valued by society for the underpinnings of literally holding things together via care work and all the free labor. And obviously feeling unacknowledged, invisible, not valued. Like, of course, that's going to make us feel sad. That's going to make us feel grief. It's going to make us feel anger. It's going to come with a complex ball of emotions. And I think that we often go inward and blame ourselves and don't see the norms at play. So Mm -hmm. I am not keeping up because it's a me problem. I'm not doing enough. I need to try harder tomorrow. Everybody else is, you know, excelling in their role. It looks like everybody has it together. I don't have it together. Why am I failing at this? And we don't realize that when we look around, everybody is drowning in plain sight. 
And mm-hmm. we feel like we're the only ones that are drowning because everybody else has kind of like got this smile pasted on their face. It feels very like we're all keeping up this facade. And so we go inward because everyone's doing this. Everyone's keeping up with this. It should be fine. And so if someone comes in and this is their experience or they come in and they do have a partner who does not carry any of the childcare or household labor or the division of labor in the home, and we say, actually, you're depressed, you're the problem, then we are kind of reinforcing that narrative or that shame spiral or that inclination to go inward. But this is where I freaking have a hard time because... I also have worked with so many clients where the irritability that they have or the lens through which they are interpreting maybe their spouse's interactions or how they are feeling causes a lot of the anger and resentment. We do know that irritability and anger and rage are a symptom of depression and anxiety among others. And depression, we do know, taints our perspective of the world, highlights the negative, takes a magnifying glass and blows up all of the interactions with our partner in the day that went poorly and totally has a way to put blinders on to the positive things. And so to me, they can be separate. Absolutely, we can be angry without being depressed 100%. Like, let's not get twisted what I'm saying. But also, it can have roots in our mental health and our experience as well. And this is where feels like it becomes very muddy for me. It's it's difficult mm. to validate an experience and see it and and see that this is the context in which we are mothering while also understanding from a clinical perspective that there are underpinnings here that could need treatment or require more support. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenging piece here is often when a mother or parent is in the throes of this and they're experiencing the depression they might not recognize it for what it is. Yeah, I remember in my first postpartum experience feeling so many feelings, but not recognizing how dark it was until I was like 18 months out from mm-hmm. it. And then I thought, wow, this feels much different than I felt before. And that actually just like the only way I could describe it was like there was this dark cloud over me and everything felt hard. Like I was lethargic. Like I was so tired and so irritable. Things set me off and I couldn't understand it in the moment for what it was. I was angry. Yeah. And things did really frustrate me. And I'm sure there was much of it that was justified, but I recognized after I was on the other side that, okay, this is what it is. Because sometimes it's really hard to identify all the entire experience when you're going through it, when you're under supported and when you're not sleeping it's just hard to understand what's what, Mm -hmm. you know, am I depressed? Does everybody suck? (laughs) Is it that I'm under, you know, like, what is it? What is this experience? So, um, yeah, putting your finger on it can be really challenging. So I respect that. And I, I understand how hard that can be. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, like you said, it gets really muddy and we're professionals. Like we've been doing this like long enough. So for people that are, you know, tuning in, they might think, well, how would I know the difference? Or Mm -hmm. does it even matter if I know the difference? Yeah. And ultimately you come to me as your provider, come to one of the mom wealth therapists as your provider. Our job is to validate and support you regardless of what is causing the mom rage. Like one of the questions Minna poses is like, what does it matter what the cause is? Like we're experiencing it and like, how do we move forward? How do we deal with it? And for me, the reason that I go to the cause is wanting to understand where the symptoms are coming from because the treatment plan looks different depending on what the cause of the resentment or the anger is. Absolutely. So it's such an important thing for me as a clinician when I'm formulating a treatment plan or conceptualizing, you know, how we're going to get to your goals for your functioning and how you want to operate in your family and in your home, I need to understand and correctly identify the problem. Mm. And this is where I wrestle. So so we could have, um, let's say, postpartum rage presenting as, like you said, it's going to have this flair to it of extreme irritability or like undercurrents of rage, feeling like you've woken up at your capacity already. Mm-hmm. It's going to come with probably more negative self-talk and negative thinking. It's going to come with feelings and thoughts of hopelessness potentially weepiness and being emotional, but not always the case. 
feeling like a lack of bond, either with your baby or with your spouse or your other child in the home are some of the characteristics. What else am I leaving out here? Um, I just, I always go back to this common theme that I've heard over time meeting with moms. Like, I just don't feel like myself and I can't quite describe what this is like. And we will see there's like this, you know, stereotypical profile of depression, which is like being more tearful where things feel a bit more challenging. Like something as simple as packing my diaper bag is overwhelming to me. Mm -hmm. Like getting out of the house feels like it is just too much. But then we have that profile of, I'm actually more irritable and aggravated and it's very uncharacteristic of me. And actually simple things that would not have set me off in the past, you know, the alarms are going off. I'm feeling very frustrated and annoyed more regularly. And I always like describe this as it feels like somebody has rubbed your skin down with sandpaper Mm. (laughs) and no matter what touches it, you just feel like, oh, that does not feel comfortable. So I always like think of it from there's this sad profile. And then there's like this a little bit more irritable and ragey. And we don't expect that Mm -hmm. because when we think depressed, we think I want to be in my dark room crying and isolated. As busy moms, the last thing we need is more on our to-do list. It's hard enough to remember who needs what packed for school, when the next doctor's appointment is, and when to register for events let alone remembering to call and cancel subscriptions that drain your finances every month. That's why Rocket Money is so great. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you notice something that you don't want, Rocket Money can help you cancel it with a few taps. They even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash momwell. That's rocketmoney.com slash momwell. Feeding the family is one of the most all-consuming parts of the invisible load. Meal planning, shopping, trying to balance nutrition, finding the time to actually cook with little ones needing your focus and attention can be so stressful. But Factor makes it easy. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals take the mental load off your plate, providing pre-prepared, chef-crafted meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to select from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. You can even choose from over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, including snacks and smoothies. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. The meals are 100% ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. That means no cooking and no cleanup, which is great for busy moms. You can choose the schedule that works for you and your family. Choosing 6 to 18 meals per week and pausing or rescheduling your deliveries is quick and easy. Reclaim some time and reduce your mental load with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use the code momwell50 to get 50% off. That's code momwell50 at factormeals.com slash momwell50 to get 50% off. I think it's a really key distinguishing piece is that that irritability and that undertone kind of comes out. I want to say all the things like I tell a story in my upcoming book about being pulled over by a police officer and how I almost ripped his head off. I know the story. Like like the anger (laughs) and the irritation was not reserved for anyone's circumstance. Like anyone could have rubbed me the wrong way and they would have got that same reaction or response. Whereas when we're talking about anger in motherhood more broadly, I would say, and this is sort of me just spitballing here based on our conversations, is that that is more situational. So for example, 
the division of labor is a very triggering topic, right? Like that is Mm -hmm. a more focused reaction of anger that has a sort of specific trigger or target. It's not a undercurrent of my existence, which it was when I was in PPD and, and postpartum anxiety, but it has like a traceable trigger or event. Mm-hmm. And that could be the division of labor. That could be being the default parent and having to be the one that always responds when the children are sick or be the one that gets up at night and feeling like you have lost all freedom in your individual self and identity. I don't know, but I would say that there is more of a trigger to that. I would agree with that. When we think about like a mental health challenge, something like depression, there's this underlying thing that it's pervasive. It impacts us in every area of our lives. We're not just depressed in the workplace. We're depressed just existing, being, you know, in our home life, in our work life, we can feel it. It doesn't just turn off. So there is this experience that when we're talking about postpartum rage or depression, anxiety, that this does carry over in many aspects of our life. And I, I want to say that sometimes people will still say, like, I notice that my anger is more directed towards my partner or my children. So there can be that experience. Our targets of our anger, right? Our targets exactly. of our anger can be routine or the same because maybe my partner's my safe person. So I let them have it more than the stranger in the grocery line or something like that, right? Like our targets can be similar, but the undercurrent, the experience is not selective to mm-hmm. who you're like, where you are or the day or whatever. Yeah. And some of them can be surprising, you know, like, oh, I remember in my first postpartum experience when I was really feeling angry, I was angry with my baby for not sleeping. And I, like when I think about that, like when I thought about it after the fact, I'd think he's a baby. Yeah. Why am I angry at a baby? This is not even like me. And that was both frightening and it was overwhelming. How could I feel this way? Where is this coming from? It, like I had no control over it. And it doesn't necessarily always feel justified. <laughs> It doesn't always feel justified when you're experiencing, you know, depression. But when we're talking about anger in motherhood as this big experience where we do feel like it might be justified, it's not that we're angry at everyone. I mean, you can probably have fairly positive relationships with the people in your lives and feel like maybe because there's like this lack of boundaries or if there's a lack of support, as we're talking about like the division of labor, unpaid leave, these experiences will bring up anger. But that doesn't mean that it's like pervasive to where we're always feeling this way Mm -hmm. or we're always feeling agitated about this, you know, in every aspect of our lives. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. When we think about depression as a diagnosis or rage as we're talking about as a symptom of depression, we're thinking about how pervasive it is and how we can't just turn it off. Mm -hmm. So that is a key distinguishing factor. Yeah. And when it comes to treatment for postpartum, rage, we're going to look at many things. Maybe we're going to look at therapy. We might look at a medication, depending on the acuteness of what we're experiencing. We're also going to bring in partner and support system if there is a partner or family or other mom supports to share in the division of labor in the home and to work together. So it's not just we go right to medication or we go right to this approach. We still play on all of the different areas that we have available to us. But there is some treatment or swiftness with which we do need to act and work towards some of these things. Or we can like white knuckle our way through motherhood and really struggle. But we do know that up to three years later, 20% or more of moms still are experiencing depressive symptoms. So it's like we think that we'll just ride it out and it will go away. But a lot of times it doesn't. And so finding the correct support and treatment for you to help with that undercurrent that you're experiencing can just free you up to enjoy your experience more. It's not about pushing a medication or a treatment or anything. It's like, it was a novel concept for me to be like, I can actually really enjoy my role. Like I don't have to dread my every waking moment because I'm depressed and I open my eyes and everything feels so difficult. I was like, oh my gosh, there's sunshine and the birds are chirping and like, hey, look at my little cutie over there. And it was like a totally different vibe when I got the right medication and support and figured myself out. So just want to put that out there in terms of treatment. When it comes to the motherhood experience and we back out to motherhood is not designed in a way that is sustainable or realistic or it's, you know, all of these things. It's just totally 
taking advantage of the free care work that moms do and defaults us into this role. And when we look at all of that, a lot of debate that I see online and different like creators and TikTok and stuff is very much like, well, it's our partner's responsibility or it's society's responsibility. Like whose responsibility is it to manage or intervene or deal with this situation? And I feel like it starts to become very polarizing or all or nothing where like, it's all my partner's fault. And I don't feel a sense of like responsibility in this division here. Or it's like the patriarchy, which it is, but like, it's it's all the system's fault and they have to figure it out. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly other than there's a lot of passing of responsibility to others. Or like we mentioned off the top, overly taking on the responsibility ourselves. Like we kind of sit in these extremes and like infomercials say, there's got to be a better way than this. Like there's just got to (laughs) be like it can't. There's I I see divisions of responsibility in this situation because I don't know if it's everybody else's responsibility, then I don't change my actions or behavior at all. Or I allow my anger to consume me and I spiral out of control or or like let this anger fester. Mm. But if it's all my responsibility, then I also am overly self-critical and have low self-esteem and like really berate myself. And and so neither option feels like a win. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely correct. Like we either are going to self-deprecate or we're going to place blame elsewhere. We can still place blame. We can still say, hey, motherhood was not designed with mothers in mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was definitely not. We can say that, but then we can also take ownership for our own piece and say like, okay, well, in order for me to live out motherhood, how I think is valuable to me and my family, I'm going to have to make some decisions. I'm going to have to take some ownership of some things. Maybe I'm going to unsubscribe from a lot of this messaging. And I think about just, there is, I'm trying to think of when we talk about like, even like, um, like literacy of looking into like beauty campaigns, media literacy. Yeah. There. Thank you. Mm -hmm. When we talk about media literacy, it also reminds me of this where we almost can do this like motherhood literacy where we see like, Oh, there it is. There is that messaging that is telling me that I should do more and I should be more. There it is. I'm going to unsubscribe from this. Like this is actually preying on my vulnerabilities or this is telling me that I should be so grateful. And I think there's a balance here, right? We can feel gratitude for our experience. We can also call out BS when we see it. And that's where that middle place is. Mm. And it's never, we're never going to get it perfectly. So I don't want to like propose this idea of like, we can live in the middle and it's going to be so beautiful all the time. No, you're going to find yourself getting caught in the web of intensive mothering and society telling us all the things that we needed to do and how we should live out our lives. And then you might find yourself in that self-deprecation where you're like, oh, my kids deserve better. I'm failing. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the experience. And it stinks that we have to navigate this, but without that ownership and without taking control of that, we kind of just let motherhood happen to us Mm -hmm. and we don't experience it the way that we'd like to. We don't enjoy our children. And for me, that's not sustainable. It's not in a place I want to be. If your house is anything like mine, breakfast is the most frantic meal of the day. We all want to start the day off with a wholesome meal for our kids, but the time crunch makes it difficult. Magic Spoon helps relieve the morning rush with tasty cereals high in protein for a great start to the day. Magic Spoon offers a variety pack with four delicious flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And it has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs per serving. Each Magic Spoon cereal is made with wholesome ingredients and no artificial flavors or dyes. And since it's gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free, it's great for a variety of dietary needs. Go to magicspoon.com momwell to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momwell at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. Try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today 
at magicspoon.com slash momwell and use the code momwell to save $5. I sat with my literary agent and she's going to join the show in a couple of weeks as we prep for the book launch, but I sat with her and we were kind of having a discussion about the proposal in the book when I was shopping it around. And she was kind of like, so why is this book releasing the motherload written for moms? Like, Where are partners? Where are the dads? Where are the partners? Like, why are we speaking to mom here? And it's a valid question because partners have a lot of catching up to do. Mm -hmm. But when we have been raised in this culture and society that constantly tells us subconsciously and in messaging and in observing our own mothers and influencers on social media is constantly subtly teaching us who and what a mother should be all consuming, you know, motherhood should be all consuming. We should be self-sacrificing at all times. We should give all of our financial resources and time and energy and attention and focus to our children. And we can't want or desire anything more for ourselves outside of motherhood. We should be wholly and entirely fulfilled with this role and not think or or dream or desire anything outside of that. When we have had, what am I, 36 years of indoctrination <laughs> of all of these norms, we can sit with our partner and divide out tasks all day long. And I'm going to pick them back up because I was told for my entire life that this is what I should do. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't unlearn and do our own unlearning, or this comes back to that responsibility piece of the things that we can do for ourselves, if we don't do some of this work ourselves to learn that actually there's a lot that we're carrying that we can just freaking burn or let go of, then we also are, I don't know, we're, we're kind of like stuck in that cage carrying all those things. We're like stuck in this pattern in this routine that we have a hard time breaking out of if we don't reevaluate those shoulds and beliefs and norms. Absolutely. It's like we equip ourselves with that knowledge to say like, okay, I am going to let go. I'm going to release the mother load. And I am going like, I want to be more cautious about what I'm taking in, what I believe because we almost don't even know what we believe until we start to do a deep dive into all of those messages and why we behave the way that we behave and why we're doing all the things that we're like, why am I defaulting back to this role? I am also a contributor to this, you know, dynamic. What is it that I'm doing here that's making this worse for even myself? So yes, we are going to read the book. We are going to, you know, have to really pay attention to what we are letting invade our thoughts, our brains, our beliefs, so that we can be better equipped to say, yeah, I don't really believe in that. And I don't want to, I don't want to subscribe to that anymore. Mm-hmm. And in saying that doesn't mean that we absolve our partners or society or the other people or stakeholders in this problem from doing mm-hmm. their own piece. But the hard truth is that we can't control their piece or how quickly they learn or how quickly these changes unfold the part that we can have some healthy control over is our own pieces that we hold on to. And I'm still going to shout from the rooftops that you all get your shit together, like, you know, policymakers and people who Mm -hmm. are keeping us sort of trapped in some of these lack of leave or policies in the workplace that don't allow for parents to take leave and moms take the mommy track and all the things. Like we're still going to shout from the rooftops and advocate while at the same time reevaluating my own junk drawer of things that I've been raised with that I carry around with me. And this is something that my book, like the whole purpose of the book and, and what we aim to do, it's certainly not the romanticized experience of motherhood that we thought it would be, is it? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And I think that's like, when you know when you hear people say like, I love my children and being their mother and raising them is great, but it's doing all the other stuff that makes it so challenging. It's actually dealing with like, for example, in the U.S., navigating leave yeah, or, you know, navigating return to work. And we talk about like the motherhood penalty and what that looks like in the workplace and or the division of labor or all the shoulds where people are telling us like, 
we should do all that. You're their mother, of course. And you, you see the comments, even when you post about you know, default parenting or... You signed up for this or like yes. all the all the things come out. You were created for this. You were designed for this. Like all of that, that just reinforces the narrative, right? Right. Obviously, there's things that are enraging when we think about <laughs> how little we value moms that we can believe and stand by the idea that moms don't deserve a break, don't deserve an identity outside of their role as mom and don't deserve adequate resources or support. And we should just be grateful and suck it up Mm -hmm. and be quiet and know our place. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are definitely things that are maddening and knowing that not letting the anger of all of the, like this imbalance, just like the world, the societal pressures really distract us and make us crumble, but then also not getting into the opposite piece, like the other side of the pendulum that you mentioned earlier, where we are completely just berating ourselves and saying, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Other, it's Look at this. Other moms out here are saying that it's a beautiful, blissful time and I'm taking it for granted and I need to be better at putting a smile on my face. Yeah. And I think that one of the pieces of this is, you know, reevaluating those beliefs and shoulds and going through that junk drawer. And that is a process. And that is not a lifelong work. Hopefully knock knock on wood, we get, we feel like we've gotten past it or the drawer is somewhat organized at some point. But in the day to day, there's also an impact on our parenting and our reactions as a result. So I feel so much pressure and I've just scrolled social media and all the gentle parenting, gentle parents of the world are sharing all the successes and wins and ideas of how we should react. And I took my child to the car over my shoulder and buckled them in when they were having a meltdown this morning. And I did a pretty good job because I kept my mouth shut, but like the whole situation was an ordeal. And then I feel the reactiveness and the pressure and it comes out in my parenting. Right. Mm. And so I think that there is the inner work and unlearning we have to do, which is a process, an ongoing learning that we commit to. But then there's the triaging of, hey, I need some skills on the job. This is eating me up. I want to be this way and I'm reacting and I'm snapping at my kid and I'm, you know, behaving in ways that I don't like that don't align with my values. But I, I feel like I'm drowning and I don't have the roadmap or don't know what to do. And this is something that we hear from our audiences a lot and that we teach a lot in our rage course and our other workshops and resources, but we're specifically going to bring those skills through this lens of parenting under pressure and overwhelm, facing all of these shoulds and norms in one of our upcoming live workshops, because this is just such a true pain point for our audience that we've been hearing about. The big takeaway here is how do we live in that middle? where we're not fueled by that anger and we're not self-deprecating. And we are, like you said, kind of like walking with like the sense of purpose. And I draw this example. When I first became a mom and I was like taking in all of the stuff, all of the information, I almost felt like a, like a chameleon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I wanted to be a little bit of everything. You know, I am like, okay, the expert said, this is the way. So I need to do that. And this is that example of that societal pressure We have, you know, the world at our fingertips. We know way too much and we live by scripts and how to talk. And that's just not necessarily how I talk. Mm -hmm. That's maybe not how you talk. So we make these decisions like maybe you are like me and every once in a while you say to your kid, hey, guess what? If you would do this, I will get you some ice cream. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And... By the standards of social media, that would be trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's so true. I've just associated their food with their behavior and they only will feel loved if they work for it and if they earn my love. And now I've messed up their relationships for their entire life. That's exactly how we talk to ourselves about it. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. But if you are just a parent who's, you know, trying to do your best navigating the external pressure, your internal pressure, it comes back to our values. And this is something that we're going to talk about in the workshop is like, how do I identify what value-based parenting is instead of all of the noise out there that says, yeah, I have to do it this way by the book. Otherwise, I'm causing some unreparable harm to my child. 
And that's just not true. I mean, there are so many schools of thought when it, like when we look at like research and theory on raising kids, raising resilient children, and there has to be some gray area here. So really understanding and knowing that it's got to be based on what you feel good about. So we are not here to beat you up anymore. And I promise that getting that ice cream is not dramatic. <laughs> you might need a scoop of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's every moment is not so high stakes and we don't have to surveil ourselves and, you know, beat ourselves up so critically and harshly. And it's mm-hmm. difficult to center ourselves in all of that noise. We have lots more to say on the topic. And we're excited to do that with those of you who would like to join us live and take part in the chat and the community that we feel in our live events. And that is happening on Thursday, February 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern. What is that Pacific folks? 10 a.m. I think. Yes. Yes. Math. It's difficult. So <laughs> we invite you to join us. You can head to momwell.com slash overwhelm to learn more about that and to sign up. If you're hearing this after the event has passed, we'll likely have that evergreen for you. But I encourage you, there's something really special when we join together live and you can really feel the community with those who navigate the same things as you. So that's momwell.com slash overwhelm. And for folks who maybe haven't heard of you, though. I don't know how, because you're Hollywood and you're you're all over Instagram. I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, I I'm just, blow, I'm just blowing smoke because <laughs> I adore you. Um, but for those of you who are not, for those who are listening, who are not familiar with you, where can they find more from you and find you online? I am psyched mommy everywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, although I'm not as active. I'm most active on Instagram. And my website's also psychedmommy.com. Yeah. And we've got lots of joint workshops, our rage course together, lots that we like to do and host together as well. If you are interested in overstimulation, boundaries, rage, all the things, resentment, we have lots of resources together as well. Friend, Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have to do this again in not two years time. We'll see how we do, but I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to discuss this topic with Dr. Reem. It's something that's been on my mind a lot lately as I've been unpacking the various things that contribute to anger in motherhood. Social media has truly changed the way moms discuss anger and rage, and that is a great thing. But it does give me some pause when I see creators dismiss mom rage as a purely social issue or indicate that we should not do any self-work around it because it's our partner's fault or society's fault. The real conversation about maternal anger has to be so much more nuanced and multifaceted because it's such a complex issue. We're operating on little sleep. We're adjusting to motherhood. We're dealing with the invisible load and falling into gender norms often from the first minute of motherhood. And then as time continues, we're expected to juggle careers and show up to volunteer in classrooms and be the ones signing kids up for swim class and transporting them to practices, signing permission slips, checking folders and bags. It can feel so all-encompassing from the very beginning. So it's no wonder we have trouble separating out what is contributing to our mom rage. And even as the conversation with Dr. Reem showed, there is often some level of overlap and similarity in the expression of anger that makes it difficult. The biggest takeaway I want you to hear, if you're not sure what it is you're experiencing, is that the type of anger we're focusing on related to overwhelm is caused by a trigger. Maybe it feels like you flew off the handle over something little, like a partner leaving a dish out instead of putting it into the dishwasher. But the real issue at hand is likely the lack of shared labor, the fact that everything falls to you, the undervaluing of what you're doing in the home, and so on. But that's different than the hopelessness undercurrent of rage that comes with depression or anxiety. Both of them can be triggered by little moments, but if you can consistently trace it back to something that makes sense or feels justified, then we're likely looking at this other form of parental anger. And finally, I want to highlight the value of taking responsibility or ownership. I want you to know that if you are angry because of patriarchal motherhood or gender norms or being the default parent or juggling all the plates and just being overwhelmed, 
That is completely understandable and is justified. But we also can't just throw up our hands and say, well, it's not my fault. I'm just going to allow this emotion or this anger to persist and continue. I don't think any of you out there listening really want that. We don't like how this feels and you want to learn how to address it and move through it. That's likely why you're here and why you're listening to this. And that's why Dr. Reem and I are hosting our live workshop, Managing Parental Anger and Overwhelm, and we invite you to join us. In the workshop, we're covering understanding where your anger comes from and how you can use it to embrace positive change in your parenting, learning how to navigate external and internal pressures from societal expectations that lead to so much mom guilt and perfectionism, how to move out of overwhelm into purposeful values-driven parenting, how to manage overwhelming emotions in the moment and move away from reactivity, and how to practice self-compassion and set boundaries with others. Join us live on February 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And if you're listening to this after that date, you can still register for unlimited access to the playback. Head to momwell.com overwhelm to register. That's momwell.com overwhelm. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Kareen Carmi, co-founder and CEO of Origin, to discuss the importance of pelvic floor health and why moms often suffer in silence. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well.